Hello and welcome to Follow the Leader Radio, featuring Life Lesson Corner. Hello, I'm Robert Pearson, your host for Life Lesson Corner, the weekly show where I share nuggets of wisdom kindly bestowed upon me by others or hard won by misfortune. All recordings and notes will be available on my website, lead to live forward slash follow the leader, lead the number two dot L-I-V-E forward slash follow the leader. All the Bible verses in my outline will be hyperlinked through the blueletterbible.org. It's an awesome website. Go check them out. All right, let's get into it. Uh, this week is less of a, a single lesson and more my personal ideology for apologetics. I use the word ideology because I hate the word philosophy. I think it's too nebulous in what it means. So the, there was a really thoughtful conversation inspired by Shane at uh, 318 Radio, 3 ONE8 radio on Anchor. And the conversation was about apologetics in general and kind of when or, or why you would use them and, and their place in the context of in evangelism, interpersonal evangelism. Really awesome. And being the excessively thoughtful, overthinking type of guy that I am, I took a week to think about it and outline and footnote my own thoughts on the conversation. And I'm sharing them in this format. So here we go. The, the first point that I, I really feel like I need to make in this uh, area is it's a kind of a fundamental tenet that I've found throughout Scripture and in my life is that all work is a joint effort between God and man. Everything that you do, God is responsible ultimately for the, the outcome of your labors, but they're also your labors. They don't stop being your labors. And so then also in a sort of evangelistic context, you have... You have to go out and talk to somebody, but ultimately it's God who changes their heart and mind and brings them to salvation. That doesn't negate the fact that you did that work. You went and built that relationship and had those conversations that ultimately led to God's work in their life. You were a, a conduit, more or less. So the, the place that I, I get this from, and I really kind of see it in the, in the scriptures very concisely, even though you can see it throughout different stories and narratives, in the Bible is Ephesians chapter 2, 9 and 10. See, everybody, when they talk about salvation, they always go, oh, Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves as a gift of God, lest any man should boast. Bam, or by, by faith you've been saved through grace. There you go. So that's awesome, but you stopped short of the rest of it. It's You stopped in the middle of a sentence. Paul is king of run-on sentences. If you only cite one verse from a Pauline epistle, you're missing two-thirds of his point. All of his sentences, most of his sentences last about three verses. So Ephesians 2, 9 and 10 say, For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works which were prepared beforehand that you would walk in them. That might, only, that might only be verse 9. I'm doing it from memory. Anyway, so that's that's huge. So it's not just, oh, you're saved by grace, you didn't do anything. But you, you now have to work. You're his, God made you and then made you a Christian. And then now he's preparing good works for you. But you have to still walk in them. God prepares opportunities for you to do good in other people's lives. And then you have to get up off your couch and you have to go and sort of run into those opportunities, as it were. And so the this idea and this concept is also seen... Uh, really awesomely in the immediate context of this conversation in Scripture. In Acts chapter 2, 
uh, starting in verse 14 and, uh, and following, you have Peter's sermon. So it's the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came down and fell on all the apostles and they run outside and they start preaching in all these different languages. And then somebody calls all the apostles a bunch of drunken maniacs and Peter steps up and begins to preach. And we have his message recorded in uh, Acts 2, 14 and on. I'm not going to read it in its entirety. But Peter's sermon, though, hits on a couple different points. What he does is he cites Old Testament scripture, shows that Christ fulfilled those prophecies, and then points to the empty tomb as proof of Christ's resurrection. Those are very apologetic arguments and points to make. That's one way you can fight, you know, that, that you can prove Christianity apologetically is arguing from Christ's fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Or making a case that because the tomb is empty and there's no way to account for how else he left, Christ has resurrected, which credentials his message. Peter uses both of those. Now, briefly, I understand he's inspired by the Holy Spirit at that time. However, he still, he had to choose to stand up and to open his mouth and to speak the words that he was given. And the Holy Spirit could have just made everybody, you know, believe in God in that instance. And, you know, all Peter would have to do is just make blah, 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 noises with his mouth, and the Holy Spirit would just do his magic. However, the Holy Spirit chose to inspire Peter to speak words that make very specific logical cases from known current events and from Old Testament prophecy that had been fulfilled by the life of Christ. And so that matters. That counts for something. The Holy Spirit chose those words or you know, however, however the exact details of inspiration work are, I don't think you can be settled or resolved. However, Peter spoke those words, and those are the, those are the points that he made. He made apologetic arguments in an evangelistic context, and his apologetic argument is what leads the crowd, in com combination with the work of the Holy Spirit, is what leads the crowd to ask, how then can we be saved? And they all get baptized and are saved and all that cool stuff. So you go all the way down to the end of the chapter. It says there, so there were 3,000 added to the church that day. And then at the end of the chapter, it repeats that same phrasing. And it says, and the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. So Peter preached this really awesome, profound sermon and makes apologetic points in it. And then God added them to the church. Peter worked. God is responsible for the, the fruits of those labor of that of that labor and this fits right in with the seed sowing analogy that gets used a lot when you're talking about this stuff is you know we just sow seeds and god makes it grow ask any farmer it is a lot of work to sow seeds you don't just throw them at the ground willy-nilly then nothing will happen occasionally something might grow but you have to plow 